Welcome to Life Outside of Sport, where we'll be diving in and exploring what happens once the game is over with current and ex-sports professionals. My name's Lewis Harrington, PGA golf professional. I'll be alongside Dean Hammond, former Premier League footballer and co-founder and creator, Liam DC. Guys, how are we? Good, mate. Looking forward to this one this week. Um, yeah, it's all good. Good, man. Dean, special one this week, former colleague. Um, how are you, first of all? I'm very well, Louis, very well. Looking forward to uh, catching up and then discussing uh, this really, really important podcast, I think, with Andrea. Um, really good guy, um, former colleague. Um, he was a brilliant footballer, um, had a fantastic career. Um, looking forward to uh, discussing um, his life after the game, um, how he reacted to that. Um, and what he's doing now. So should be a really, really good listen. Couldn't agree more. It was a, uh, it's a fantastic listen. Um, so without further ado, here's this week's conversation. Anyway, mate, thank you for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man with um, everything that's going on at the moment. Um, but, yeah, so the podcast really, I don't know if I've actually explained it to you, um, Orlando, in terms of what we're, we're trying to do. It's more, it's probably not the standard type of podcast. We will run through um, the parts of your your obviously brilliant career and, and stuff like that. But it's more, um, the podcast is uh, called Life After Sport. So it's mm -hmm. more the, the effects and uh, the feelings and emotions that we all go through once the game finishes. Um, yeah. And you know, do players prepare for that? Are they ready for it? Um, what sort of um, emotions they go through when it's finished? Because I know personally that I struggled for, for a long time, really, without even knowing to start, I was struggling. Um, and it's whether we can, we're speaking to loads and loads of players and we're trying to find out if there's a bit of a pattern or if there's something that we can make aware to players that it potentially you're going to feel like this, but... If you're aware of it, you might be able to put some some actions or plans in place to try and help you through that process. So, um, and yeah. this was this was all Liam's idea. Liam came up with this idea a few years ago and, and kind of started it. Um, but because of lockdown, we've kind of kicked on and we all kind of met and introduced to each other. And um, we're just trying to get a bit of awareness out there, mate. So um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's an important thing that players we don't want to think about it. Uh, nice. obviously we know the career is so short but we don't want to think about you know when when it comes to an end and it's so common to have players with uh, you know struggling with the transition from playing to to actually the real life because now we've yeah. got years to come with uh, with, the, with what I call it the real life and, and you got to be ready but we're not when we retire we're not ready no uh, and uh, and obviously it is it is difficult to cope with it so it's it's a great idea to talk about it man it's always good to open up and 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 obviously show show how you feel because even myself i've always tried to hide my feelings uh yeah. trying not not showing weakness to the others and, and for me it's a big mistake hmm. so louis will kind of run the um interview it's a it's a, it's a chat mate it's it's nothing i was gonna um, say crazy. we can take it from there andrea can run me uh, yeah andrea is the expert so <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we I'll just come in and Liam will come in just with pointers. Maybe I might come in with some experience of my career and feelings and we can just, we'll just have a good chat, mate, if that's okay. But Louis Brilliant. will lead it. Brilliant. Is the, connection, is the connection okay? Can you hear me well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah, perfect. Good. Good. Perfect. Andrea, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to meet you. It really is. And um, just, say, just to reiterate what, what Dean says there, um, uh, an amazing career um, and as I say thank you appreciate your time for, for jumping on mate but um, no thank you it's a pleasure an absolute pleasure thank you and um just take us back to the very take us back to the very very early days from where so you've you're now living back in Barcelona yeah so yeah that was that where it started you was was born there and then moved away or where did, how did how did the football come about Andrea how why why yeah. Yeah, I was born. I was on, uh, born here in Barcelona from Italian parents. Uh, so I obviously went through the academy at Espanyol, uh, which is the second the second team of the city. And then I moved on and played for Alaves in the Basque Country for for three years. And and I was lucky enough to 
to sign for Barcelona uh, for two years for the for the reserve team, and uh, and obviously those were uh, I always call it like the University of Football. Uh, two very important years for me uh, to actually know if I was good enough to make the next step into professional football, and where I was tested every single day, and uh, and where where it was it was actually uh, difficult at times, uh, but after. Uh, you know, special initial spell where I where I struggled. Uh, I embraced it uh, and and I enjoyed playing for for such a big club. I made my debut with the first team, and it was uh, it was an unbelievable experience. But it all started in Barcelona with Espanyol. Uh, you know, a three year spell with Alaves uh, where I made my debut, professional debut with the first team, and then signed for Barca where I played for two years and and obviously made my debut in La Liga the season that uh, the club won the double uh, where Ronaldinho was here, Samuel Eto'o and th- these type of players. And, uh, and obviously uh, for a player born in Barcelona to play, to play for the local club uh, and especially in, in, in a season where uh, things were going great, where the Champions League was won finally against Arsenal, by the way, in, in Paris. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, obviously an enjoyable experience. Amazing. Uh, Andrea, was it was it always going to be football then? So was it from from your parents from from the early, real early days, or was was there any other avenue for you, or was it just focus for football? Uh, it, no, uh, not really, because I never felt I was I was that good at it. And uh, and to be honest, uh, I was kicked out for, from Espanol uh, when I was uh, when I was fourteen uh, because I was too small. Uh, and they said I actually got the report here with me, and and uh, it says I, I wasn't competitive enough. Uh, obviously, uh, basically, they were saying if you look for different sports or a different way of living, uh, do it because you don't have a future in, in football. Uh, so I never, I never felt I was, I was that good. And, uh, and my parents always made sure that uh, my educa- education was right, uh, make sure I was, uh, you know, I was studying, uh, I was getting my degrees in, in school, and I always thought about a plan B. Uh, you know, football was there because it was my passion, but uh, you know. When I actually felt I was, I had a chance to be professional was when I left home and went to the Basque country and played for Alaves. This is when I thought, well, maybe I can have a chance, but I still, uh, you know, was, was studying at the university. Uh, I, was, I was studying a law degree. I wanted to be a lawyer. And now I think about it and I was crazy <laughs> when I was 18. <laughs> I never wanted to be a lawyer now. Uh, but uh, this was, uh, sorry, guys. No Sorry, guys. This was my plan B. Uh, obviously, I always had it there uh, because football, I knew uh, how difficult it was, how difficult it is actually to, to be consistently good. Uh, it's actually easier to get there and, and make your debut. Sorry again, guys. Sorry. No, no, it's no problem. Uh, it's fine. But then it's very difficult to, to actually stay there, uh, you know, for years, to have a long career uh, at a good level. Uh, so it wasn't just football or football. Uh, I always thought, uh, you know, the studying and uh, was important for me, and and this is what I did up until I signed for Barca, and it was pretty obvious that, uh, you know, I, I was gonna have a, a career in football. So, you, so the the re- earlier rejection from the from the Espanol, wasn't it? From the yeah. early, yeah. Did that, did that then sway you more towards the other side? And then you was very relaxed about, um, you know, if, if I play football, it, it's fine. Or how, how did that process go with that rejection process? Um, Not really. It, it, it affected me for, for a long time, to be honest. Uh, when, when I met Dino uh, at, at Brighton, I was a different player. I was, I was mature. Uh, I'd gone through, uh, you know, all the emotions that a player can feel. But... Up until I signed for Swansea, I did struggle with with my confidence uh, because as I was rejected, I always felt I wasn't good enough. So every time I, I build my confidence back up, uh, you know, when I had a, a difficult moment, I went through a bad patch, then all these demons, uh, you know, came back to me. And 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 obviously it was very difficult to cope with it. And, uh, and obviously I didn't want to show it. So I kept it for myself, didn't speak to my parents, didn't speak to to my girlfriend at the time or, or whatever. And, uh, and I don't think that was, that was healthy at all. Uh, but this, is, this was me. This, this is how I felt I had to cope with it. Uh, but, you know, the rejection from Espanol was, was very difficult for me. And let, let's say, for example, uh, you know, in the summer, 
my family is Italian. I would travel to see my grandparents in Italy. Obviously, all my friends are football fans. Uh, and I was actually ashamed to say, uh, you know, they kicked me out from Espanol. So I, I, I didn't know how to take it. Uh, and, uh, and that was like the first step where I, I started actually hiding things. Um, I started doubting myself. And, uh, and obviously, it was very difficult for me to get that confidence back. I took a step backwards. I signed for a team in Barcelona, which is, is just academy-based. Sorry, guys. And, um, and obviously, I, obviously, I built myself back up uh, to a level where uh, I, was, uh, I was scouted by Alaves and, uh, and went and signed a professional contract there. But every time I, uh, I had a problem, especially in the early days in my career, I didn't know how to cope with it, and 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 confidence-wise, I, I did struggle with it. Uh, and up until a day where I, where I actually realized that, uh, obviously, battling against my demons, battling against my head wasn't wasn't healthy enough. And uh, and if I wanted to play football and play well, uh, you have to enjoy playing football. Otherwise, it, it, it's very difficult. Uh, the anxiety anxiety shows up, and uh, and you can't play well. It's impossible. And uh, and this. This happened to me up until I was 24. I think it was my second, third season at Swansea, uh, where I, I had that mental click, where I, where I became more mature, uh, and where I, when I actually spoke to myself and said, "Listen, Andrea, if you want to carry on, uh, you gotta change that. You gotta believe in yourself. You gotta be confident. Otherwise, it's impossible. Uh, you can't, you can't compete in in such a competitive environment like football if you're not ready for it. So." Uh, it would have been helpful for me to speak to professional people, to speak to, to friends, to open up a little bit. And, uh, and I actually did it myself. Uh, it, took me, it took me a while, but uh, obviously it worked out. And, uh, and actually my, my last years in football were, were fantastic. Starting at Brighton, where, where I had probably my, my best season in professional football in terms of enjoying uh, playing with teammates that I felt friends, that were friends. And, uh, and my, my last years in football were, were really, really good. I felt like I was enjoying myself, which is the most important thing. That's Sorry, Louis, that surprises me so much, Andrea, because obviously we played together at Brighton and uh, you were probably one of the most intelligent footballers I played with in terms of football intelligence and life intelligence. Um, so confident in, in a good way, not, not arrogant, but you can get arrogant players, but just really, really confident with with self-belief off the pitch and on the pitch where I would look at you as an example and go, right, I need to be more like Andrea, you know, he's, he's really confident <laughs> on the ball. And so it surprises me that you went through that process and, and that actually happened to you. Do you think now looking back on it and reflecting that that potentially helped you going through that process, even though it was difficult at the time and it's hard, it's a challenge at the time, but going through that process helped you become a better player, become a better person because you got through it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and this was a this was exactly what I wanted to do uh, to get through it myself, uh, you know. And and I knew once I did it, uh, I was strong enough to cope with everything. Uh, that's why I said uh, you made a very different player and a different person when we were at Brighton. Uh, things didn't affect me anymore. Uh, you know, I built that confidence back. I was I was mature. I was sure about what I was doing. But the experience helped me with that. Uh, in terms of the, at the beginning of my career at Swansea, for example, where I was tested every weekend and, and I felt I had to prove myself. And this is when the anxiety shows up a little bit. Uh, if I had a bad game, that would affect me for the whole week. I wouldn't sleep for two or three days. I would think about it and, and moan about it. And, and obviously, this wasn't the way to react. Then experience told me that I never had more than three bad games in a row. And, uh, and to build that confidence up, I needed to train well you have a bad game, the next day you wake up in the morning, you make sure you train well, and then you're ready for the next game. So this will happen when you met me. Uh, at Brighton, I would have a bad game. Never mind, get, get on with it. Uh, you know, the experience showed me that I was going to play, play well, let's say not the next game, but in two games time. So that obviously I didn't know when I first started. No one told me. Uh, I didn't even know myself. You know, I actually learned uh, the way I, uh, I approached uh, you know, my profession. So uh, obviously experience always helps. I didn't have no one next to me to tell me how to cope with things, how to do it. So I had to learn it myself. And, and obviously once I did, I was strong enough to cope with absolutely everything. 
So that's why I told you, uh, Dino, I was at Brighton, I was a different player. Uh, had you met me at Swansea when I first signed there, I didn't look as strong, as confident, uh, and as good as well. Because when you are confident, you become, yeah. you know, a much better player. So, so many similarities and so many differences at the same time in regards to like some of the, the other. And, and look, I think whether there's a, a, a culture change in some of that as well in over here in England, it's like plan B is, is no option. It's like plan mm. A, like all the way, like that's any deviation of focus means you're behind sort of thing. That's the, so there, there's a, there's a switch in that, but then you've learned a lot about yourself perhaps earlier um, than than we are. I mean, look, Andrea, we're still doing that now in mid mid thirties. It's taken me yeah. two years to to dive in there now at uh, at mid thirties. So so huge respect, and then obviously you you gain the benefits from that. And you briefly touched on the uh, away from the pitch, sort of the the impact and and friends and things like that. Was there was there anyone that stands out during that period that you had to turn to, or just you know when things were were getting tough? That just sort of spurred you on a little to, to keep you going, or was it purely all down to, to you? Well, uh, there was a moment in, in my personal life where my, my parents lost their job, uh, so it was actually only plan A. So it was me uh, actually looking after my family, you know. So that, that added some pressure on, on me as well, and uh, and obviously the ones I uh, I told to and tried to get. Uh, you know, some advice from where my, where my parents that I had to help as well, and my wife, uh, because she's always been there uh, through thick and thin, as you say over there, and uh, and she paid the price for it when uh, you know when the disappointment uh, disappointments in football. Uh, there's ups and downs. There's more downs than ups actually, but you know the good moments are that good mm-hmm. that you just grind and keep going because you want to you know enjoy those moments once again, and especially my five my five seasons at Swansea where I got injured a lot, where people thought I was fragile, uh, where people thought, well, yeah, he's all right, but he's not good enough to play in the Premier League, uh, where I played, played well, and then didn't play for six games. Uh, when you're out for months with a knee injury and no one talks to you, these are moments where you need someone to talk to. And, uh, and obviously my wife has always been there and she's been, she's been crucial for me. Uh, you know, at times I didn't want to show her like how frustrated I was or how sad I was at times because obviously she had to take everything. But uh, with, my, with friends, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have really good friends. Uh, but it's something that I've always had. I don't want to worry, uh, you know, the, the people that are close to me. So I didn't want to tell them I was suffering or I was struggling. I always try to show the positive, positive side of it. You know, I'm playing football. I'm, I'm in the Premier League, for example. I can't complain. I can't be complaining because I'm not playing, because I'm injured or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to actually try and be positive. So this, and, this has always been my, my mentality. Sorry, Andrea. Does that, does that almost make it worse when you're in their moments? The, the only reason I say that is because I think about something away from when, it, when, when you're in their moments where you feel down and you... you you, you almost tell yourself, you know, I've got nothing to feel down for. My family's healthy. I've got a job. I've got this. I've got that. Um, which almost has the reverse effect on it. So you, you, that process where you're, you're feeling like that, but you're, you're telling yourself, you know, I, I shouldn't really be feeling like this. I'm in the Premier League. I'm, I'm, I'm flying. Did it have that effect where you're like, and then, as you say, the demons, that's it. Like the, 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 the demons are in, in full flow. Yeah, it does. It does actually. It's you're actually confronting yourself all the time, fighting against yourself. Uh, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be like showing uh, actually how you feel because people might might come to you and say, "Hey, listen, don't complain because you have a dream job." Uh, you know, from outside, football looks great, uh, but obviously, you guys and and Dino knows uh, the process that you have to go through, and it's not easy. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's difficult. It's difficult to cope with, and uh, and it is. It is a bit, uh, you know, as you as you said, uh, it's not. It's not actually the the easiest of things to uh, to uh, to go and tell someone that, that you're feeling bad when you actually ha- have a great job, you're well paid for it, and uh, and and everything that comes with it. So, uh, I, I've always tried to. Uh, 
to do it my way. And I don't think it's the right, it's the right way at all. Uh, I actually think now looking back that I should have done and faced things differently. But this is how I felt at the time. And, and obviously experience teaches you, doesn't it? Absolutely. Would you, would you looking back in their moments? It's a really difficult question. And, and look, one of the reasons I think why well, we try, try and, and share the story and it's, it's amazing. Um, but how, how, could you, how could you make that a little better if you were to look back and, you know, let's go back and the, the 20, 20 year old version, the 20 year old version of yourself, um, how, would, how would that assist? How could you assist that, do you think? Um, or what would you potentially do differently? I mean, of knowing, knowing what I know now, knowing yeah. what I know now, yeah. Well, knowing what I know now, I would have done uh, things differently. I would have faced the problems, uh, let's say, reacted in a different way uh, in terms of... Uh, the thing is, when I, when I made my professional debut that was at Alaves, uh, it was a difficult dressing room, uh, big wages, big egos. Uh, I played in the same position as the club captain. Uh, when I made my debut, it was left out of the squad. And, uh, and obviously, I didn't have any help uh, in that dressing room. So I would have... I would have certainly done things in a different way. I would have actually faced uh, the problems. Right. And, and the thing is, that I kind of hit. Uh, I took, took a few punches and I didn't react. And uh, you can't do that in football. And then I would have, I would have actually opened up to my teammates and, and said, listen, I need help because I'm not strong enough uh, to cope with this. Uh, please help me because I need it. I didn't do it. And I made myself smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and, and obviously... You can't do that. I didn't have any confidence. So I would have certainly done things in, in a different way. I feel, yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. I landed so much. When I was coming through, it's, um, it's tough. It really is tough. And, and like you say, it's very hard to reach out. It's very hard to, to uh, confide in people and share, and share your feelings because you're in such a competitive environment. And it's to show that it's completely not reflecting on it's not a weakness at all it's a strength to be able to share to ask for help it really really is um but at that time you're thinking i'm just building my career i'm trying to earn the respect of everyone if i'm then going to ask for help um this is going to be a negative on me um from the yeah. playing staff from the managers from the coaches they're going to think well he's not mentally strong he can't play in the team and all you want to do is play in the team um but I've, I've been there 100% where you're struggling with confidence. And mine was more off the pitch, you know, off the pitch in, in social events or within the dressing room. I really, really struggled. I would be so shy, so frightened to say something in case of, of ridicule or anything like that, where on the pitch I was okay because it was a bit of freedom for me. And I, I kind of let all that emotion out, which really, really helped me. But a 90-minute 90, a period during a week is not enough for then for the rest of the six days to feel tense, uptight, confused about myself, nervous about myself. It's tough. So, you know, I'm the same, reflecting on, on past or past careers. To reach out and speak to someone um, would have benefited me so much. But I agree with Alandi because it's got to be the right person as well. You, you've got to find that person that, that's relatable to you and is going to actually help you. And that's difficult as well. It, it is. But uh, I think it's, it's better in the modern day game. Um, but the, again, yeah, like you say, yeah, that's why we're trying to do this to make people aware that it's okay to feel like this to start with. Because I think, I don't know, I think everyone feels like it. Everyone mm. feels that. And no matter how confident they feel, there's them doubts, there's an anxiety. An anxiety. Um, but if you've got people around you like, Andrea mentioned about his wife having a network of people around you is so important so important it is absolutely I was I was the the other way around I mean in social events I'd feel happy I would I would smile to people I would uh, never been sh too shy uh, but then in the training ground and uh, you know during 90 minutes I wouldn't I wouldn't feel confident at all and uh, and obviously when you when you are a when you are a footballer, you can't you can't be doing that. I mean, if you're not confident, you can't play at, at your best, and and uh, and it did affect me. It it it, it is difficult, and you, you start uh, you know doubting yourself uh, even more, and and uh, and and obviously it makes it it makes it worse. But uh, it was 
I was always, uh, you know, fighting against that, uh, fighting against myself uh, until I, as I, as I told you before, I, I confronted myself once and said, listen, Andrea, come on. Uh, you know, this is what you love doing. Uh, this is your passion. Uh, football, something that you've been doing since you, you started working. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta actually confront it in a different way. And, and I clicked mentally and, uh, I left all the negative things aside. I started to be positive. I started to be confident because I actually had to tell myself, hey, listen, you are a good player. <laughs> uh, no one will come to you in the dressing room and tell you how good you are or how well you played uh, because everyone has, their, you know, they have their own problems. So you have to tell yourself, uh, you know, listen, you are good. Uh, you wouldn't be here if you if you weren't good. So this is what I did. <laughs> oh, so, it's so tough. Huge respect. And and look, that, that sets you instead for what, for what you did there as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. To win, roll forward a little, and so you come out of the of that process, and obviously you're you're moving forward. When was there a moment during a few years down the line where you start to look to after? To you, you mentioned before the plan B in the early stage. Did the plan B come in towards the back end of that at any stage, or was it was now the was you now blinkered and focused into into what you're doing? When and when you when you get to the thirties, uh, they make the same question to you all the time. If you are out with your friends, uh, with your family, well, have you have you thought about your retirement? What are you gonna do after? What are you gonna do after? You don't you don't want to be answering that. I still got you know you, uh, you know a career to play, so I just want to be focused on on football. Uh, the thing is, I've always you know after that process where I, where I lost confidence, I got the confidence back. Uh, I always I started believing in myself a lot, and I always thought that somehow, even in my football career, I found uh, you know a way of, of keep playing at a certain level because uh, you know some players have uh, lots of options to sign for different clubs. It's never been my case. Uh, it's always been like I've always found a club uh, you know at a decent level, but I always had to fight hard. Uh, I've always had to grind. It's never been easy. Uh, a few. Mm -hmm. Uh, summers where uh, I've been without a club training on my own, signed the 31st of August, where you got to be really strong uh, mentally because it, it is difficult to be home, see your former teammates training, starting the season, so starting the leagues and you're still home, uh, back home training on your own, running on the beach. So it's, it's, not, it's not easy to, to do that. Uh, so I've always thought, listen, if I've done it in football, I'll do it in life as well. I'll find, I'll find my path, I'll find my my way somehow, but I never had, I never, honestly, I never had a plan. I knew that maybe it could be something related to football, of course, uh, in media, uh, because I always like to, uh, to have interviews. I always like to, to go into TV shows. I never felt shy. I felt comfortable with it. Uh, but I, I didn't have a plan where, okay, I'll retire and I'll, I'll start following BBC, the, uh, BT sports <laughs> or sky sports. And, uh, and wanting to be involved there, it, it came, uh, it came actually naturally as a natural thing. Uh, once I retired, I started doing some media work, and one thing uh, came, you know, and 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 I started building up, a, let's say, a reputation here in Spain, and 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 this is what I'm doing uh, at the moment. That's a, I mean, Louis, that's a brilliant way to to look at it. That I wish I had that that confidence and, and belief, you know, when I was playing in my career, I was so focused on football, but I never looked at it like Andrea there, where if I'm good enough to play professional football, if I'm good enough to have a career in football and I've always found a way, okay, when it finishes, I'll find a way in something else. I'll be good enough at something else. I was completely the opposite to that. I It, it filled me full of fear. I was like, I'm so dedicated to this sport and this craft that I don't know what I'm going to do next. And, I feel as though I'm not good enough for, for the next step. And it's, it's, it's so interesting when players think so differently. But I would, what Andrea says there is so true because if you can become a professional footballer and be a professional footballer for a, a long period of time in your career, then of course you can find something else that you're going to be good at. Of course you can um, enjoy something else. Of course you can find another passion. So 
that's good to hear. You know, in terms of for, for myself, for my own personal growth, it's brilliant to hear because I've never looked at it like that ever. Some some of them yeah. life lessons you've you're sorry, and some of them life lessons you're you're experiencing. The both of you, are, are, you know, the early rejection, the going away and and sitting with your own thoughts over and over and battling and overcoming and and relentlessly drive forward, um, is is like a, quite possibly the best life lessons you could take into life anyway. But obviously that process is delayed, Dean. That we've we've had the the conversations many times, isn't it? Where you where you, you can't can't think like that at that time. It's like if 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 we'd have had this conversation 18 months ago, um, and Andrea gives gives that sort of advice, you may go, oh yeah, actually, you're you're right, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. the, the case or not. But you when you think about it and the conversations we've had for for a long time now, there's so many life lessons that you've and and to to a massive extent, you know, 10, 15 years from maybe longer, 20 years of just relentlessness grinding and grinding and grinding over and over regardless of, of what knockbacks you get. Um, so yeah, no, sorry. I don't carry on. Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's true. The, the thing is when they tell you it's over and, and obviously in my case, I, I, I'd been in India for six months. It was a, it was a difficult, difficult experience that I would, I would do it again because I, uh, as a life experience, it was it was different, but uh, it was refreshing. It opened my eyes uh, up a lot, and and I saw things I never expected I was going to see. So I would do it again. My family stayed in Spain. Obviously, they didn't come with me, and uh, I managed to to get a club in Italy. I didn't pass the medical. I got a heart problem, and they tell you it's over. So you you walk into the dressing room, you get your your boots, you close the door, and you're not going to open it ever again. And you feel like, woof, you do feel a little bit, uh, obviously, uh, empty. And, uh, and actually, I wouldn't say I panicked, but it's okay. For, for a few minutes, for a few hours, uh, you know, I had to say, well, Andrea, now, now you, the, the real life starts for you. Uh, but just get on with it, man. Let's face it. And then, obviously, it was, it was a bit uh, shocking for us to, to find out I had this, this heart problem. And uh, my wife traveled from uh, from Barcelona. We, we went to Rome to have this, you know, all the tests. And then the doctor said, listen, uh, your ECG is, is really bad. It's worse than a story. So he was the captain of Fiorentina that passed away. Uh, so you've been lucky enough to uh, to be where you are. You've got two daughters. This is it. So obviously we cried. But I cried not because I had to retire. I cried because I thought about my daughters. And fucking hell, what if, what if something had happened to me, uh, you know? without knowing that I had this problem. And this, this was the, the frustrating thing for me. And uh, we walked down Rome uh, with my wife and she traveled back to Spain. I, w- once she landed, I called her and I said, listen, no worries. I'll be back in a couple of days. I need to sort my stuff, uh, my, my things here in, in Italy. Don't worry about me, I'll be fine. Uh, she was working in Barcelona. My daughter was going to school. Now it's me who actually have to adapt to your life. Uh, because they've been following me for years and I've been moving and traveling around and they've always been there. So I needed, I didn't want to do that again to them. So it was actually me going back to Barcelona and finding and finding my way of living. And this is what I did. I went back home and, and listen, uh, let's start. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> that was, that was my, that was my approach. That was my mentality. Alandi, did that experience, did that experience help you? Because it was final. There was no regret. There's no thinking I could continue playing or why am I not continue playing or I want to continue playing because we speak to a lot of footballers, me included, that I, I walked away from the game for, for many different reasons, but I chose to walk away from the game. Now, I feel a lot of guilt towards that now, but at the time it, it was it caused me a lot of pain because I was I was having to fight with that with your situation, which is so tough to go through. Obviously, it's crazy, you know, with having a heart uh, disease and thinking that you could have it could have caused you more problems during your career. But just having that uh, situation where it was final and like you're there, you're rubbing your hands together and going, "I've got to move on." There's no choice. I've got to move on now. There's no looking back. Did that? It's not the right word. I don't know if I'm explaining myself, but did it help? No, you no, no. Yes. Yeah. 
I understand. I understand what you said. And sign your point. And it actually helped me, of course. <laughs> At the time that there was no, uh, there was no plan B. I didn't have the option to have an operation and keep keep going. I was 34 as well. I, you know, I played what I had to play, and uh, and it did help. Uh, yeah, but I always, you know, in the in the let's say in the in the last years of my career, I, I always had this saying that you know I'm not gonna leave football. Football is gonna leave me. I always. I always thought there was going to be a moment where my summer, uh, you know, was going to go past the 31st of August, where no club is, was going to was going to ring me, and uh, and then I, I had to accept it. And I know many players that don't accept that. And I got friends uh, now here in Spain, for example, still waiting for a phone call that, that they haven't been playing for a year. And I keep telling them, "There's there's life after football. Mm. Uh, you got to find." Uh, you know, a passion. You got to find something that you really like because uh, I'm sure there's something that uh, that you like doing, and then go uh, go and try to and go and try to do it. So, yes, I understand your point, and it's actually a really good point. Uh, it was a uh, listen. You got to stop playing, and uh, and I had no choice. And it, in a way, it did help me. It did help me. And and what's the what's the new passion, Andre? What was the what was the quick passion? The the family, of course, as you mentioned, and then what was the what was the new life? How did that that's how has that journey started, and where where does that bring you bring you to now? Is it within the media, yeah. as you explained? Yeah, it was quite it, it was quite accidental actually. Uh, obviously, uh, when I got back here, the the press here in Barcelona, uh, there's a TV program when they they called me for an interview and they asked me to stay for the rest of the program. They liked how I talked and they said, "Listen, what if you come back next week?" came back next week and then the next one and then the radio phone and what if you come and 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 actually talk about Barca and the Champions League and then this is how I started then I started with La Liga TV and uh, doing La Liga in English for the rest of the world and this is something that I really like and then uh, and now I have I actually have to to reject things because I have no time <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> It's crazy, but uh, uh, they called me from that zone last week. I can't, I can't do it. So I don't have the time. It's Barca TV. It's La Liga TV. There's uh, the Evening Standard. I got a, quick, a weekly column about La Liga as well in England, uh, and and I love it uh, because by the end of my career is when I started to be more analytical. I started to understand the game better, um, and I love analyzed. I love analyzing the game, and uh, and it is something that I'm really passionate about. And I like doing, and and I also do scouting uh, for an agency. Um, when I when I got back here, uh, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, I know him for twenty years. He was working for Antoine Griezmann, the Barcelona player, and they they built this agency around him. And uh, he, he needed someone, uh, let's say, in the football department, someone that would analyze games for the players, would talk to young players and advise them. And uh, and I met. I met Antoine and I loved the way he spoke to me and, and we started working together and this is what I do as well. So I, I just watch football all day, uh, which, I, which I love doing and, uh, and it's very uh, rewarding. Uh, you know, when you talk to a young player and, and you can tell him what you've been through, uh, you can actually advise him uh, because you've been, you've been there. You've been where he is at and, and you can tell him. You can actually put the stones away from you know, from his path and try to make it easier for him. And when they listen to you and, uh, and when they feel the benefit, the benefit from it, it's, uh, it's really rewarding and, and I love doing it. So you, you, almost, you almost become, like we, we mentioned, the person, is that sort of the vision perhaps or the feeling towards that, the person when you were going through them points that you could have to turn to to assist you um, in them bits where you're struggling? Is, does that fill you with um is that is that is that what the the process is like i'd imagine that's a good feeling similar to what we we, we try and do on a small scale at the moment yeah absolutely i'm the person or i'm trying to be the person i would have liked to have uh, you know when mm. i started my career so the person to talk to 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 actually open up and and show because we we feel, we are weak at times and we go through moments where we don't feel confident enough and where we don't feel we're good enough and and it's very healthy to to actually talk about it, man. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but I didn't feel like that at the time. And, and, and obviously, when I recognize that in a player, because I, I, I can feel it 
straight away, the way they talk to me, the, the problems they have, I can see myself in them at times. And, and I know what they're going through. And, and obviously what I try to be is really close to them and, and try to help them. And, and we've had a, I can tell you a story about a player where it was a, it was a Lazio in, in Italy. And, uh, and when I started working with him, it was, uh, it was all over the place and the club weren't happy with him at all. And, and he wasn't doing the right things. And we started working with him and, and he made, he didn't make his debut. He made the bench the other day against Juventus and, in the first team and like for me it's like making my debut you know uh, I had the same feeling uh, I felt so happy I was honestly I was emotional as well and, and and I think that you know it's a great job to do and and I love doing it Andrea is that um, when you're advising them is it is it technical is it the technical side of the game is it um, emotional side of the game is it about their personality is it all about football or is it is it everything combined so to where you'll see something and that okay they need to work on this which will make them a better footballer yeah it's a bit of everything you know uh, we look back at the games as well and uh, as i said i love i love to analyze them i talk to their coaches uh, to see what they want from them uh, otherwise it would have, it would be counterproductive if i tell them to to do something and the coach is telling them to do the opposite it wouldn't work uh, but they ask uh, what i love is like they they tell me what what did you eat before games? So things like that, you know, these, these small details that, that, that I love telling them, you know, with my experience, what it worked for me. It might not work for them, but, you know, it's actually a good piece of advice. And uh, it's everything. Uh, you know, the mental process in football, I give a lot of importance to the, to the mindset. I think it's 70, 80% of, of the success of a player. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously, when they tell me the problems they're going through, because I know I've been there, I... I I can actually tell them what worked for me and, and what I would do. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's about themselves. You know, the, they are the ones making the decisions, but I'll, I'll always be there trying to, to give them good advice. Do you think you get more buy-in because you've been there and seen it and done it? Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, actually, when you speak the same language, uh, you know, to a footballer, uh, you know, to have someone that, uh, that knows exactly how the grass smells, uh, I, I love to say, uh, it's important. They recognize that and they like it. And, uh, and because in my playing days, I used to look at everything. I used to listen. Uh, I was very aware of things. I, I, lo I love to learn from my teammates. I can tell you exactly how Dino played, for example. Uh, so I, uh, I loved it and uh, always tried to learn. Uh, I think that I've got enough experience and know-how and knowledge uh, you know, to give those advices to to young players. Fantastic, mate! Really good. Really, mate! It really is. It's um, it's the other clubs. You mentioned like they had the talks with the coaches, and this is we've had a we had a conversation with um, uh, a psychotherapist over here who's work trying to work with with sports clubs, and he's he's working with um, is it Cambridge Oxford, 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 isn't he? So he's in he's in with Oxford United now. Um, but obviously, the people he is working with encounters that massive barrier as to which coaches are going to allow someone to come in and, and have the conversation with the players. So is there that barrier up? Is it the coaches that are coming to you, the players that are coming to you? How does that process work? Well, some coaches, some coaches won't talk to you because they see you as a threat where, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an agent. I'm, I'm just trying to help the players. Uh, and by, I understand it, so... I, and and some coaches uh, some coaches do they they see the actually the benefit from it uh, you actually taking uh, you know some of of their jobs off like they don't need to work as hard on, on a player because I'm actually trying trying to help and uh, and for example I I told you the the example of this player at Lazio the work uh, that we've done is is great and and uh, and when when you tell a player something and then he does it on the pitch and. It, you know exactly what you told him happens. This is when they start believing in you, yeah. And uh, and uh, and this is what uh, this is what I like to do. But yeah, clubs are a little bit, uh, you know, they don't like it. I've only worked once with a sports psychologist, for example, and uh, it, but it was like more like a like a group thing. And when I was at Swansea with Brendan Rogers, uh, where this guy came and gave and gave us a few tips. Uh, about uh, breathing, about uh, vision and things, and and how you had to to actually cope with uh, disappointments and and stuff. It, it did help. 
I thought it was it was useful. Uh, but as you said, they see it like a you know a thread that most of coaches don't believe in it. And I think that actually it's as important as the fitness work or or you know the tactical work. I think that uh, you know for a player to perform, uh, they need to be uh, they need to be good there. You know, have a clear mind and be confident enough to to go out and and obviously enjoy themselves because playing football is about enjoyment. But I'd tell you that eighty percent of players don't enjoy themselves when when they play football. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Even when you win, sometimes. <laughs> I was I was just going to say that, and and you mentioned like the emotion you get when that that player that you've managed to help, you can see things that they, they're taking on board, they're buying in, you know, the trust is is through the roof in there. How does that compare, you briefly did mention, but to the heights when you were playing yourself? Is it close? Is it is it close to getting that feeling back? I think it's it's the closest. I mean, uh, I could be a coach and probably being a coach and, and being part of a group uh, would be probably the closest things to be a, a, a professional footballer, but uh, you know, actually uh, sharing, uh, you know, a moment of happiness and uh, not only a moment of happiness, a moment of di- disappointment as well. Of, uh, you know, with a footballer is, is the closest uh, you can be to, uh, to a football pitch and uh, to have those feelings back from your playing days. And, uh, and it is great. It is great, honestly. When, when, he called, when this guy called me and said, listen, I'm going up to Turin with the first team, I couldn't believe it. It was like, wow. And, and I, I honestly felt uh, as happy as I was when, when I, I got a call up from Barcelona that I had to travel to Bilbao and make my debut in La Liga. Uh, it was like I was, I was nervous like I was at the time. So, uh, you know, those, uh, I had similar feelings. Uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I, I'm hoping for more. I mean, I'm, obviously, with, uh, with some of the other, uh, you know, the other, sorry, some of the other guys I'm working with, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get more of it. It's um it's brilliant to see, mate, that you're so happy. It's it's great because <laughs> it's just fantastic. And I think from you having that, you feel as though you've got purpose. You've you've you found a, a second passion. Um, you've you know you've had a fantastic playing career. It was a pleasure to play with you. Honestly, it was. Um, and like you say, I learned so much of you being a midfield player. But I'm learning now from from yourself now from from just from you know you feel as though you're you're beaming from what you're doing loving helping others, passing on your experience. It's, it's brilliant to see, mate. It really is. Oh, thank you, Dino. Thank you very much. I mean, I, I, told, I said it before, and, and obviously I'm going to say it again because I don't know if you were recording it, uh, but I knew how important you were for me as a player when we played together, but I realised it when, when we didn't play together and looking back at the games. And, uh, and it, was, it was great to have you there, man. Uh, you know, I always felt uh, protected when you were playing with me in that midfield. <laughs> and, and listen, if you have the chance to to watch those games, we were we were a great team. We were a fantastic well, we were. team. Uh, yeah. We were we were very unlucky not to uh, not to go out that season because we we had everything to actually uh, you know stay in the Premier League for for a long time. It was it was an absolute pleasure, Dino man. Uh, the atmosphere there was was brilliant. The mix we had between the English players and the Spanish players. Yeah. And, it was fantastic, and having the, I always say, having the lovely stadium, but having the the, the normal training ground that was good as well. <laughs> the, the real mix, where you have the luxury, and then it bring you down to earth. But it was, it was great. It, it really was. It was one of the best years of, of my career, the most enjoyable years of my career. It was fantastic. It really was great memories from that. And it's, uh, it's been great to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Really has. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank absolutely. you, Dino. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Andrea. If what about the, the the young English players? If we've got uh, some young English players, can we uh, can we send them your way as well? Yeah, of course, of course. I'd love to work with. There's there's lot there's there's a lot of talent in England, and uh, and I always uh, you always felt uh, you know that there was so much work to do with the talent uh, there is over there, and I think that things have changed. When I first signed, I remember I was getting my coaching badges where I was at Swansea, and I and I saw how they worked. Uh, you know, with the under-14s, 15s, and I thought, oof, the miles away from it. And uh, now going back, uh, I was at Birmingham, you know, before COVID, and, and I saw how uh, how they were training in the academy, and it was completely different. Uh, you know, so you, uh, you can see that things are, uh, you know, at the moment, uh, that they're doing it in the right way. 
because with the talent you've got over the, over there, the national team should be winning European titles and should be challenging for the World Cups more. And uh, and and I think it was all about the way they were developing uh, the talent. But if you think about the Sanchos, the uh, Rashfords, uh, Greenwoods, uh, you I mean uh, you've got so so many good players over there that uh, you know there's I think there's some good years for England to come. It does feel that it does feel that way. Hopefully, Andrea, but we well, you got a lot to live up with the with the Spanish, um, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, look, it, it, I, honestly, it's been it's been fantastic. I've non-stop writing, and and there's so many quotes as well. And whether there, we'll we'll get them up. Um, we'll get them up on there. It's 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 fantastic, mate. It really is absolute pleasure. Wish you every single bit of luck um, going forward. Thank and, you. Uh, hopefully, we uh, we meet again soon. Um, it's been yeah, good. well, yeah. As soon as they they allow me to travel up, uh, and they gave me a visa now with Brexit, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> I should be I should be fine. I should be fine if I'm coming up for a couple of weeks. I don't need a visa. So, um... <laughs> or, or Andrea, we can we can relive Dean Stagdo because I asked him before if he'd oh, been yeah. to Barcelona, and the last time I think he went was, was on. <laughs> my stag do once yeah. I've been to Barcelona yeah I, got, I, I was telling Louis I got um, asked I got escorted out of the new camp and got asked to leave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow well, you know. what did you do? <laughs> uh, I was um, I was in fancy dress put it that way I, uh, yeah it wasn't my most impressive moment <laughs> I must admit <laughs> well listen you're going to come back guys as soon as it's safe to travel <laughs> And then I'll be coming up to the UK, so I'm, I'm sure we'll meet personally. Awesome. Andrea, thank you, mate. Really, really thank appreciate you so it. Thank you, guys. Thank Take you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Take care of yourself, mate. Bye, 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 bye. Take care. Bye. bye. Hi all, it's Liam here from the Life Outside of Sport podcast, just jumping on to thank today's guest, Andrea Alandi, my co-hosts, Dean Hammond and Lewis Harrington, and a special thanks to you for taking the time to listen to today's conversation. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. If there are any topics or subjects that we've discussed today or in any previous conversations and you'd like to reach out to us, please visit our website, www.lifeoutsidersport.co.uk where you'll find our contact details and our social media links. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.